Hey, it's Greg Otten here with the Maritime Gardening Podcast, brought to you by Bessie's Seeds. Hey, everybody. We're back. It's another gardening season. It's uh, February 15th, and uh, ready to get going and get talking about gardening and produce another uh, series of podcasts for you. I'm so glad that you have stuck with me and you're still downloading the episodes and still enjoying the podcasts. Uh, and if you are unaware, I'm, I've shot a, a lot of YouTube content because it's it's good to also have that uh, visual element. Uh, I kind of like the balance because on the podcast I can do a lot more. And podcasts are usually a lot longer than the uh, videos. Podcasts are usually half an hour, I'd say, and the videos tend to be more like 10 minutes. Although I, I do have the odd long one, but you can have the both angles right where the pod, podcast I'm talking a lot more about ideas strategies and then in the video I can show the examples you know the visual examples of, of those things being done so I think they uh, complement each other well so what are we going to talk about today um, I'm going to talk about about my sponsor and the, the kind of deal we made and the, the arrangement um, we're going to they're, they're offering a coupon code for the, the listeners talk about that and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, seed selection since it's the time of year that people buy seeds anyway you're going to go online or go to a seed store and you're going to look at all the different varieties of things and you got to make up your mind what to buy and it's a bit it's a bit of a process it's it's overwhelming in a lot of ways so I'm going to talk about uh, a couple things to bear in mind when you're making those decisions all right so to start let's talk a bit about uh, this this arrangement is I really want to assuage people's concerns that oh you're 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 got a sponsor now you're just going to be all the content's going to be about that that's not the deal I, I wanted to work with uh, someone that would just let me continue to do the show I want right the deal is that every episode I say brought to you by Vessi Seeds and then I talk about whatever the hell I want for the rest of the episode <laughs> like always right I mean I can't do anything that would uh, you know get get them in trouble or whatever but uh, you know we usually keep it pretty clean here at maritimegardening.com so I think that's all right um, but you know that's the they're just associating their product line with me I have a, a link to their website on on, on my podcast website um, we are, we're gonna uh, they're gonna give a, a coupon code uh, we get a kind of a discount um, a kind of discount I guess I'll explain that a bit later and um, other than that the show is exactly the same I'm going to talk a little bit about Bessie Seeds in this episode just because I'm, I'm talking about it but uh, most of the episodes I'm just going to be talking same content as before right the show is about growing your own food right this is a vegetable growing show or a fruit or whatever we're talking about growing food growing your own food on your own land or land you have access to Applying permaculture techniques, how to grow your own food easily, cheaply, using very little time, do it in a sustainable way, right? That's the show, and that's what we're going to talk about all season long. So I hope I've assuaged anyone's concerns that I've gone totally corporate or, <laughs> or whatever. It's not, not the sort of deal they're really, uh, really great to uh, work with, and they've been very uh, uh, kind with me. Uh, I think I might, I may even go there in the summer and do a bit of a tour of their gardens. I have to work out the details of that. Um, that would be a video type thing. So um, it's a good arrangement. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Vessi Seeds. Spend a few minutes on that. 
Uh, they offer a full range of gardening products, uh, seeds, bare root, perennials, trees, tools, all kinds of different gardening tools, uh, a broad range of gardening products, all available to order online. Um, it was founded by a guy named Arthur Vesey in the early 1900s. He uh, ran a little market garden, and uh, he was interested in, in getting seed varieties that were more ideally suited to the climate here in the Maritimes, or they have a short, cold growing season uh, that uh, is common here in Atlantic Canada. And uh, so he, he became uh, more and more knowledgeable over time uh, in that uh, in that area. And he ordered his own seeds and he started ordering, you know, his neighbors would say, hey, can you get me some of them, uh, uh, you know, turnip seeds? Because yours look better than mine. I want to grow what you're doing, right? So that sort of thing started happening. And uh, <clears throat> he was including more and more orders for his neighbors. And eventually he got into the seed business. <laughs> Probably made more money doing that. I think he, I think I read a little bit about the the back, uh, you know, the history of the company. I think he continued to uh, run his market garden for quite some time, uh, and always continued to 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 garden. Um, so uh, now, of course, the operation is much larger, um, but they still continue to re their their ongoing operation involves buying seeds and testing them, and everything is tested before it's sold. And they're still looking to find varieties that are ideal for the cool northern climates. Um, I imagine they probably are fine in warmer climates too. They probably just grow ridiculously, <laughs> ridiculously fast, right? Um, so uh, Vessi Seeds can buy, uh, supplies seeds to home gardeners, market gardeners, and full-scale gardeners. And um, they conduct field trials of every variety that they offer in their catalog. Uh, on a 40-acre research farm that they have. So everything that they sell, they've tested it, they've tried it out, they've done trials, right? And what are they looking for when they're doing those trials? Aside from things like germination, right, where they, they boast very high germination rates, um, they are looking for things like vigor, earliness, you know, how early it matures, uh, flavor, disease resistance, um, you know, that those sorts of things, right? And they're trying to find always looking for new varieties that have those qualities. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, that sort of issue uh, later on in the episode, but just to give an example of what I'm talking about, a lot of people are romantic, romantic or they romanticize, Valentine's Day yesterday, um, they romanticize about the heirloom varieties. And a lot of them have great properties and they've been around a long time, but diseases and different kinds of pests and different kinds of spores and mildews and all these things that it's, those things are constantly evolving and it's useful to have certain varieties of plants certain newer varieties are much more resistant to some of those problems than others uh, tomatoes are a good example right there's varieties of tomatoes now that are blight resistant which is great Right, you might get an heirloom tomato, and uh, one year it does really great, and then the next year maybe there's a particularly bad, particularly bad year for blight, and um, you lose the whole thing. Right, you have these beautiful tomatoes and they're green, and then all of a sudden they start going all wonky on you towards the end of the season. That's a disaster. So uh, let's talk about this coupon code deal that they've got. So 
the coupon code, get your pencil out. I'll put this in the show notes as well so you can find it. But the coupon code is G, as in Greg, G A V, as in Vessies, uh, S as in Seeds. I think it's actually Greg Ott and Vessies Seeds. G A V S. There you go. Uh, G A V S 18, 2018. Greg Ott and Vessies Seeds 18, right? G A V S 18. So when you order products on their website, there's going to be a box where you can type that that uh, code in and you'll get the deal. So what's the deal? The deal provides free shipping on all items except those that are oversized. And there's, there's very few items on their website as far as I can tell that are oversized. And those are things that are really, really big like full-size rototiller, right? Things that are very, very expensive to ship and they would have a surcharge attached to that. But any item that is oversized, that'll be clearly marked on the online catalog. Um, now, to get the free shipping, all you have to do is buy at least one pack of seeds. It's just the way their internet website, uh, I'm not a computer programmer, but how it's set up, uh, the way they solve the issue of how to get, have one coupon code that applies to everything is, doesn't matter what you buy, as long as you buy one, at least one pack of seeds, the, you, the coupon code activates the deal for the entire order. And the deal is free shipping. That's it, right? But that can add up if you're ordering like 10 blueberry bushes, right? <laughs> if you've been putting off uh, getting that perennial garden going, maybe for years you've been thinking, oh, I wish I had eight raspberry bushes or I wish I had a bunch of blueberry bushes. I wish I had four apple trees or I wish I had some rhubarb or I wish I had, you know, uh, some other kind of bear blackberries or whatever, right? If you've been thinking about that, you know, a lot of those things are get costly to ship. And if you go to uh, some hardware store or some other place to buy the perennial, they're going to have a variety of perennial at one of those stores that for what they consider to be the best price point, they can make the most money off. So they're not choosing the varieties based on their trials show that this berry is the most disease resistant, most productive, most ideally suited to your conditions. They're not, they're not sort of thinking about that sort of thing. But if you, Vessi's whole thing is, is, and that's why they have such a great reputation is finding things that uh, varieties that really, really uh, productive, disease resistant, great flavor, all those sorts of things. So I think if you compare notes, you'll notice that the, the varieties aren't exactly the same. So it's it's a good deal because you can save on the shipping. Uh, another so yeah, you know, ten blueberry bushes and one pack of seeds, free shipping. You can get fifty packs of seeds. Free shipping. You get five apple trees and pack of kale seed. Free shipping. All you know, however you want to <laughs> mix, uh, mix or match it. Free shipping, as long as you buy one pack of seeds with whatever you're buying. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about the way they do this, and I don't know how they keep track of this. I wouldn't want to have to do it. But whatever you order, um, they'll order. They'll mail it to you when it's the right time. So maybe three weeks ago, and I'm going to do an unboxing video this weekend of all the seeds they sent me, but about three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I can't remember now, I ordered just about everything I could think of I was going to plant 
in my garden. I ordered everything from Vessi's seeds. I mean, I got a couple of my own seeds that I save that I save every year, but for the most part, 80% of my garden will be Vessi's, not counting the perennials that are already there and a handful of things that I save, like kale seeds and a couple of little things. So if you order, like I did, you, let's say you order a bunch of seed packs, of course they're going to send those to you right away. But what if you order some potatoes? Or you order uh, a berry bush? Or an apple tree? You don't want that being on your doorstep on February 23rd. Right? You don't want that. right? You want the apple tree coming when it's time to put it in the ground. right? You want it at the right time. So regardless of what's on that, that list of orders that you order, um, the things that can be shipped now will be shipped now. And the things that have to wait, same with potatoes, right? You don't want to have potatoes. If you've got potatoes this time of year, you'd have to put them in your fridge to keep them from going to seed before it's time to plant them in, you know, mid-April or early May or whenever, you know, it's, it's safe to plant potatoes. Um, you don't want to have to deal with all of that. So you don't have to. It's just going to be kept in their, at their facility and they'll mail it to you when it's the right time. So that's a, a real advantage. And they have a, a wide variety of different, uh, you know, for every kind of variety, right? <laughs> Whether you're look, looking at tomatoes or carrots or parsnips or whatever, um, d depending on the actual plant, there's a pretty broad variety of things to choose from. Um, and the offer is good for the 2018 growing season. So from now until, I guess, the end of December, you can make the, that's that uh, coupon code is good. So I think that's a pretty good deal. So yeah, I'm not going to be asking for donations. If you want to support the show, uh, buy your seeds at Vessi Seeds. Show them that they made the right choice in choosing MaritimeGardening.com as a uh, partner to work with and that's all I'm going to say about that today so thanks for listening to all of that now let's move on to talking about uh, seeds I hear a lot of you know I, I'm a pretty voracious uh, reader I'm pretty voracious especially this time of year this is the time of year I do the most reading about gardening and it's the time of year I do the most YouTube watching. I find the best content is on YouTube. Uh, there's nothing on television anymore. Uh, there's some really good content on YouTube on gardening, especially there's so little mainstream content about permaculture gardening. Really, the only place to get it is online. Um, I mean, there's Maritime Gardening. <laughs> that's a great show, right? But there's also some other really good shows. Uh, but that's not all I watch. You know, I, I absorb a lot of information this time of year because I can't really do much gardening, so I do a lot of reading about gardening. I hardly do any reading about it in the summer. I'm too busy doing it. One thing you hear a lot about is people talking about heirloom seeds, open pollinated seeds, and hybrid seeds. Heirlooms, open pollinated, and hybrids. And I think there's a lot of confusion about the differences between these three things. And I, I hear people talking about hybrid seeds like they're uh, devil's spawn <laughs> or something like that. And uh, that's just a misrepresentation. Don't confuse hybrid seeds with uh, genetically modified organisms. A GMO is a different category of thing. 
Um, hybridization is something that occurs in nature all the time. It's always occurring. If there's two varieties of the same thing that are near one another and they're plants, the probability of them cross-pollinating is quite high. And whenever you've got cross-pollination, you're going to have a hybrid of some kind. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll talk about why, why you would want hybrids and why you wouldn't want hybrids in a minute. So let's just define these three categories to start with. Right? Heirloom and open pollinated. We'll start there. Heirloom seeds are open pollinated seeds. Okay, open pollinated just means if you plant that, let's just let's talk about tomatoes as an example. Just continue with the tomato analogy for the, uh, for the whole conversation here. If you have an open pollinated tomato, and let's think about one that's a good example, a brandywine tomato, and you're only growing that kind of tomato in your garden, that's the only tomato you chose to plant this year, the tomato is going to grow, it's going to go to flower, and all the brandywine tomatoes are going to pollinate each other. Right? There's going to be bees flying around, they're going to go from tomato to flower to tomato flower to tomato flower, and they're going to be pollinating all those flowers, and all those flowers are turned into tomatoes. And once you, if the tomatoes are ripe, you can pick the seeds out. And if it's open pollinated uh, tomato, you can take those seeds, dry them out, plant them next year, and you get the same kind of tomato. 99 times out of 100, right? <laughs> There's always a variation, but they're going to stay true to type. That's the term, true to type. So that's open pollinated uh, plants. Uh, what, what's the difference between an heirloom and an open pollinated? An heirloom is an open pollinated variety that is people have been saving seeds from and keeping true to type for a long time. I, I'm not even completely uh, solid on how long that has to be. I, I've heard since before World War II. I've heard since before World War I. <laughs> you know, but suffice it to say, an heirloom variety is a variety that is an open pollinated variety that people have been using and trying to keep true to type for a very long time. An open pollinated variety uh, could be an heirloom or it could be a variety that's been developed since before World War II. Right? It could be a variety that was developed in 1980. Uh, but it's a, it's a variety that was developed in 1980 that if you grow that, and that's the only kind of uh, you know variety of that thing you're growing, and you save the seeds, those seeds will make that thing next year. Okay. What's a hybrid? So I think we've explained that heirloom, open pollinated, they're the same thing. Heirlooms are just old, <laughs> really old, open pollinated seeds, and a lot of people love those because it's the same thing the grandparents planted, and so on, and some of them have great properties. Um, what's a hybrid? A uh, hybrid is uh, a variety that of, 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 of plant, right? We're going to talk about vegetables here, or I guess tomatoes or fruit, but you get the point. Uh, it's a variety of plant that is the result of a cross-pollination between two varieties of the same plant. Okay, so it's not some unholy union of, of a, a wild boar and a apple tree right it doesn't you know it's not like that a, a variety a, a hybrid is when you have let's say we've got two varieties of tomato let's say you know I'm running uh, growers that develop these things they their farms are like giant 
uh, research facilities. But let's just say I've got a whole bunch of different tomatoes that I'm growing. And I've got one tomato that has an incredible yield. Let's say one plant will give me 40 pounds of tomatoes. I'm just talking into my head here. So, it, you know, I don't know how, how likely or how possible or how impossible 40 pounds of tomatoes off of one plant is. I don't know that I've ever had that much off of one tomato plant, but maybe it's possible in the southern region. I don't know. Anyway, for the sake of example, I've got a tomato plant that will give me 40 pounds of tomatoes. Beautiful, tasty, ripe tomatoes. Um, but it is extremely drought sensitive. It's got short roots that don't go very far. It's no good at getting water out of the ground and you have to constantly be watering it to get that yield. Let's say I've got another variety of tomato on my farm that is completely drought resistant. You stick the seed in the ground, you don't have to water it once all season and it grows a couple, uh, let's say, but it only grows like four tomatoes and they taste terrible. <laughs> right? They're just no good. Right? So, but it has a quality I want. It's got that drought resistance. When you, when you dig one of these tomatoes up, let's say the roots go two feet deep and they've got all kinds of fine hairs all of them. This is a tomato that's really, really good at finding water for itself. I don't have to do the work. So when a seed developer is working on that sort of thing, they will cross-pollinate those two uh, plants. I mean, they'll, they'll do it in a very artificial way, right? They'll go from the one plant to the other to give an example with a little feather and get the pollen from the one plant. I'm sure there's a much more sophisticated way they do that at a research facility. Um, but you've got, you know, and, and farmers used to do this thing in the old days anyway, right? This, you know, different varieties of corn and all these, you know, all, you know, New varieties of plants are constantly being developed. Um, so you have the, the researcher and they take those two types of tomatoes and they cross-pollinate them because they want a new tomato that has the yield and the flavor of the one tomato, but it has the drought resistance, drought tolerance of the other tomato. So they cross-pollinate them, they get some seeds and they plant those seeds and see what happens, right? And if all the seeds, let's say it turns out that they, they get a particular uh, variety that works that way. Now they've got what's called an F1 hybrid. It's the first crossing of those two plants. And, uh, and I'm oversimplifying a lot of this because I don't want to get too far down the weeds on the show. But that's what an F1 hybrid is. It, it's the first cross of those two plants. And it's going to have the best of both parents and none of the bad of those two parents. You think about that 1990s movie Twins with... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, right? Because they're twins, and Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of got all the good. He's the smart one. He's tall and muscular, and so on. And uh, and as Danny DeVito said, "What am I? That crap left behind?" You know. So um, that was, uh, you know, that's what they're looking for when they're working on developing hybrids. So, what's the drawback of a hybrid? It sounds like there's only a good side to hybrids. The only drawback is that if you plant a hybrid. You can't save the seeds um, and plant and, and expect to get the same thing next year, right? To go back to that analogy I was using, if I save the seeds from that super awesome tomato plant that had the, the drought resistance and the great yield and the great flavor, the seeds of that plant might revert to one or more of the bad qualities of the parents. It's not guaranteed that that seed will produce something like itself next year.
it's, it's actually probably guaranteed not to be the case. Uh, most hybrid tomatoes, as an example, if you save the seeds, no matter what the tomato was, chances are you're going to get a cherry, some kind of cherry tomato next time. Um, not always, but often that's often the case. So if you want to save your own seeds in perpetuity, you want to get an open pollinated plant, right? Um, and also hybrids tend to cost a little bit more, the seeds, right? They might cost a dollar or two more a pack uh, because there's a lot of research and you know cost and time and money that goes into developing those varieties. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the, the difference in the consideration. And uh, I, I use all three types of seeds in my garden on any given year. I usually have a couple hybrids in my garden because you know, oftentimes uh, a hybrid variety might only cost a dollar more. So if, if I am going to plant something and it costs a dollar more for a pack of seeds, right, you're going to like 50 seeds. And that plant has, let's say it's supposed to have twice the yield I don't mind spending a dollar more to get twice as much right instead of spending two ninety nine you spend three ninety nine you get twice as much over the course of a growing season that's that's a no-brainer right that's a no-brainer decision that's that's not the time to be what they call penny smart dollar stupid right that's that's a no-brainer decision for me uh, similarly with tomatoes right when I was looking I've I've always got risk of blight tomato blight in my garden. It's always present. Last year I got a fairly good tomato yield, but I had to be constantly vigilant in mitigating blight. Any uh, branch on any plant that I saw touching the ground I'd have to cut off. Any, uh, any stem that looked like it was starting to get that black mottled appearance on the leaves, I'd cut those off. Uh, and so on and so forth. I had to constantly manage the, the tomatoes and I'd space them very far apart and all that sort of stuff. I got a pretty good crop of tomatoes last year, but there was still blight around. Um, looking in the catalog this year when I ordered my seeds, I noticed they had varieties that were blight resistant. Now they costed a bit more, but <laughs> if you've ever gotten into August and like you lose half your tomatoes as a result of blight, if you could go back in time and spend an extra couple back bucks for a pack of seeds, um, you would have done it. You know, in August, I would, if I could go back in time, spend two more dollars to actually have a yield as opposed to just throwing everything away because everything is ruined. Um, definitely do that. But the catch is you got to buy those seeds every year. So if you're, you know, if you want to be completely off grid and you're completely sustainable and all that sort of stuff, um, then you're probably going to want the open pollinated ones or, or heirloom, depending on your, your, your taste or the varieties. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the difference between open and pollinated and heirloom as well. Uh, why would you choose one over the other? Uh, they both have that great quality where you can save the seeds and as long as that's the other catch, right? If you're planting more than one variety of anything in your garden, unless you are putting some sort of mesh screen over that when it goes to flower, um, you're not going to be able to save the seeds successfully anyway. Right, if, last year I planted three different kinds of zucchini in my garden. Right, I planted a yellow one, I planted an Italian one, and I planted some other one that I'd never heard of before that the package just looked good. Right? Sometimes I just like the picture. Right, so I planted three different kinds of zucchini in my garden. 
So I didn't save any zucchini seeds because I wouldn't know what on earth I'd be getting when, because <laughs> they're all in bed with each other, right? They're all cross-pollinating each other. I know I didn't exert any control over that process. So whatever child comes out of those unions, I could get the greatest zucchini in the history of the world. <laughs> or I could get the worst zucchini <laughs> in the history of the world. Right, so I didn't bother saving those seeds. Right, this year I just got new zucchini. <laughs> so if you're planting more than one variety of anything in your garden, unless you're take going to great care to prevent that one variety from cross-pollinating with anything else. And by the way, if it's a plant that needs bees to pollinate, it means you somehow have to get the bees to only stay in that one and not go to the other ones. It can be very uh, tedious, right? Uh, unless you're doing that you're going to be buying seeds the subsequent year anyway. So you just never know what you're going to get. I know I saved my own uh, bean seeds and I replant them every year, but I ha always have many varieties of beans in my garden and uh, some of them will go really weird. I've got a variety of uh, what's it called rattlesnake pole beans that I plant. I like the way they look and they taste good and uh, for the most part they come back true to type but uh, <laughs> this year some of them went really weird um, so that those particular ones must have got crossed with something else you just never know right in any given year I could plant the seeds I saved from my rattlesnake pole beans and get something totally weird <laughs> I just have no idea because I, I grow about four different varieties of bean every year uh, so it's a bit uh, risky saving the seeds because you just don't know what's going to go to what and what the next generation is going to uh, come back as. So I always save some seeds because it's just fun to play <laughs> to play around with varieties like that. I always have uh, a bunch of rattlesnake pole beans I've saved, saved and then I have another pack called mystery beans. <laughs> That's how I label it and I don't know I never know what what's going to come out of that. Uh, and that's fun. So that's uh, some considerations about that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about why should I get heirloom or open pollinated, I would bear in mind that the thing about some of the open pollinated varieties is they're just new varieties. Any hybrid variety, if through trial after trial after trial, you can get that hybrid to produce seeds that can then be planted and stay true to type, right, resemble the parents, then that hybrid seed is now an open pollinated variety, right? Every open pollinated variety of plant was at some point a hybrid of two different varieties that existed before. So it's not, you know, it's just something that happens, right? It's just, it's just things happening in nature. If if you're if you're buying from a seed company, they're, they're sort of forcing the issue. They're playing, they're playing God, right? They're playing around with it a little bit, right? But if you are gonna, if you're agonizing over whether you should plant an heirloom or an open pollinated variety, bear this in mind that whatever heirloom plant it is, and it may grow just fine where you are, you never know, right? But that is a variety that was a very popular variety 80 years ago. When, and guess what's been happening for the last 80 years? All the diseases, all the pests, all, the, all those sorts of things. 
they have all been evolving, right? They have all been changing and adapting. So the heirloom variety you plant may not be resistant to the strains of blight and fungus and diseases and different things that are around right now, right? Um, I, I had a, a year where I planted brandywine tomatoes, uh, to be to be precise, actually. Uh, one year on this property, uh, I had an incredible crop of brandywine tomatoes, amazing crop. And so I said, okay, next year I'm planting brandywine tomatoes. That's an heirloom variety tomato. The very next year when I planted my tomatoes, I planted them in a different location. You know, I always rotate my crops. It was a catastrophe. Um, they were all blighted. I lost the whole thing. Um, you know, I might have been able to, I might have got 10% of the potential yield that I could have gotten. But most of them just got thrown in the woods. So, you know, you just never know. An open pollinated variety, a lot of those are constantly being developed. Right? You can still save the seeds, but it's a little bit more uh, contemporary variety that's been selected for, you know, often it's going to be disease resistant. Nobody wants uh, to plant something that gets ruined over the course of the season. So an open pollinated variety might be a little bit more uh, resistant to the kinds of problems that exist in the environment today, right? Or an heirloom variety might be something that, you know, uh, grows really well in Italy. And then it grows, you know, it's just an incredible plant in Italy. And then you bring it here and it gets attacked by something that, that doesn't exist in Italy, right? So you just never know what these things, it might do well, might do poorly. Or it might do well the first year here. And then the second year it's a disaster because some pest found it on your property and laid some eggs. And maybe, so maybe there was like one or two pests that like that thing in year one. And then in year two, there's a million of those things. Um, what's a good example? Uh, a kind of kale I really like, and I've, I've not been able to successfully grow it since I moved from the valley in any real way, on any real scale, is uh, called lacinato kale. I grew some in my garden this year, and I had half-decent results, but I had to be extremely vigilant in uh, uh, preventing it from being attacked by uh, slugs and flea beetles. Uh, and fl slugs, flea beetles, and uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, cabbage moth, right? White fly. All those things attacked it. Uh, Lacinato kale is an heirloom variety, right? It's an old world variety of kale. Um, so I was talking to the, I think it's a, I know, it's a botanist or a horticulturist. I can't re recall his title, but uh, let's just call him a botanist. <laughs> botanist uh, study plants. Um, I was telling him about this problem. He said they, they have Vesey's seeds. They have a variety of Lacinato kale that does better here, that does better here in this climate. Um, he said that the, you know, the old world Lacinato kale is uh, just not resistant. The pests here seem to really, really love it because <laughs> it, it prefers more heat. It doesn't like cold soil. It doesn't like cold, damp air we have here. It prefers a, a little bit warmer conditions. It's probably why it grew better for me when I was in um, Wolfville, which is a, a location about an hour from where I live, but it's way warmer there than where I live right now uh, just because I'm, I'm much closer to the coast and I'm very close to the Atlantic coast. So apparently, we'll see, because I'm going to plant it, but they've got a variety <laughs> of lacinato kale. I don't think it has the same name, but he said it's based on that. It's a variety that's been developed from that, that is much more favorable to the conditions that exist here, a little bit cooler. And because it's happier here, 
um, it's not attacked so much by pests, not as bad, not, not quite as badly. So I hope that brought some sort of uh, clarity out of the mire of these different categories of seed: the heirloom seed, open pollinated seed, and the hybrid seed. Right? Heirloom, heirloom seeds and open pollinated seeds are the same basic thing. It's just the heirloom seeds are older varieties. Open pollinated are sort of newer, uh, newer combinations of things, but that have been stabilized so that they stay true to type if you save the seed. And 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 uh, hybrid seeds are brand new combinations of existing varieties that have properties that are sought after by by gardeners. Whatever those properties are. Now, if you're on the, I asked, I also asked uh, the guy at Vessi's, how do I know which ones of your seeds are hybrid and which aren't? And what they said is, if you're on the catalog, if it's a hybrid seed, it says so. If it doesn't say it's a hybrid, it's not. So all the hybrids are either indicated as a hybrid or they're indicated as an F1 hybrid. Um, but if it doesn't say either of those two things, then it's it's an open pollinated seed. I don't know if it, it's either an heirloom or an open pollinated. It doesn't, I don't know that they, you'd have to look at, look up the variety. That's the great thing about buying seeds online. You can just go Google it and find out, right? If you're looking at something, wonder if that's a, an heirloom seed. You probably, you can look that up and, and find out for yourself. So I hope that helps you. I mean, it's, I, I, I tend to, I remember there was a year where I wanted to have all heirloom seeds and open pollinated seeds and I want to save my own seeds and I want to do all of that. And if that's what you want to do, go for it. And that's a great, wonderful, noble thing to do. Um, but for me, I find that the, the reality is that if you're going to be saving seeds, you have to either plant only one type or you have to be find some way to separate the two different types so that they don't cross-pollinate with one another. And for me, that kind of takes the fun out of it because I like to grow lots of different things and try different things. And, and you know, part of the fun of gardening for me is just the unknown of what's going to happen and trying new things every year and boy I hope no matter how old I get there'll be some new thing I want to try and uh, seed developers are always developing new varieties so that's I assume that's always going to be an option well I certainly hope so um, so that's that's part of the fun of it for me so I do save some seeds but I I don't fret too much about uh, what types I'm buying I tend to just look at the description and and, you know, I'm looking for certain qualities of flavor. Flavor is number one. I want something that tastes really good. Uh, for certain other kinds of things, uh, other, you know, I, I want disease resistance. Uh, you won't find too many pest resistance seeds. But if your if your plants, if your plants are growing in a really healthy way, if they're if they really like the growing conditions where you are, chances are they're going to be a little bit more pest resistant anyway, because they're going to be healthy, right? There's other things you're looking for, uh, like for, for instance, when I choose my varieties of carrots, you might want. I'll, I'll often plant two different varieties of carrot. I'll plant uh, a variety that matures very quickly and is very sweet, and I'll also plant a variety that grows really big and stores well. And there's Varieties can be specific like that, right? There are certain varieties of potatoes that they say store really well. There are certain varieties of potatoes that don't store well, but maybe they, often the ones that don't store well um, are ones that mature very quickly and they taste really good. 
Um, the ones that store well, you know, you want one that tastes good, but if you're trying to store vegetables for the winter, like a potato, you want something that's going to store well. I'm still eating potatoes I harvested from my garden in August. I have one for supper tonight, in fact. Right? The potatoes I chose store well. <laughs> I've got squash in my garage. Uh, that are <laughs> All I did was put the squash on a shelf. They're just sitting there. They're still good. I ate squash at lunch today because <laughs> I'm still eating my squash because the varieties I have store well. So some varieties you want to choose for that property, right? Other varieties you want to choose for other things. You know, when you're planting something like a carrot, you, maybe you plant one variety that's going to come in quickly so you can start eating them during the summer. And you have another variety that you're going to pull them all out of the ground in, in November to store for the winter. Uh, so those are the kind of considerations you're going to have when you're choosing all these different varieties, depending on how large your garden is and that sort of thing. Or maybe you've got some really bad problem in your garden. Like if you've got uh, powdery mildew on your squash one year. Let's say last year you were growing zucchini and you had all this powdery mildew and it really, really affected uh, the yield, right? That A problem like that can cut your yield in half. You can get half as much zucchini. Uh, so maybe this year you want to choose a variety of zucchini that's highly resistant to that, right? Uh, I mean, there's other things you can do for powdery. There's concoctions and different things of baking soda and, you know, eye of newt, <laughs> whatever you're going to use to prevent that. There's lots of things you can do like that. Or another thing you can do is just choose a variety that doesn't get that because uh, it's been selected for that pro for that property, right? They, they get a whole bunch of different varieties of zucchini and they, they plant them in a garden and they put powdery mildew spores all over the place and they <laughs> look and see which one doesn't get that. And they say, okay, that one's powdery mildew resistant, right? Just like if you look at different people, you know, right? Some people uh, more prone to asthma. Some people are, I, 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 um, I'm lactose intolerant. Other people aren't, right? Uh, some people uh, are allergic to peanuts. Other people aren't, right? There's, there's variation within a species of thing. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm really, really bothered by uh, dry air. I, I can't, can't take, uh, you know, uh, dryness, lack of moisture, it really bothers me. Other people doesn't bother them at all, right? So, uh, you know, there's variation. So it's the same thing with your plants. Um, you can't do this with people. You know, you got an office. You know, if you have an office, you want the air to be really dry so there's no mold in the office. So uh, ideally, you want your office to be full of people that don't mind dry air. You wouldn't want people like me that are always blowing their nose and are constantly irritated by the dryness. Um, you can't really do that with people because they have human rights, but vegetables don't. So if you get a powdery mildew problem in your garden, you can just choose a variety of zucchini that doesn't mind that at all. <laughs> it's just peachy, uh, peachy fine with that. All right. So just a few considerations to, to bear in mind when you're when you're buying your seeds this year, wherever you're getting them from. Um, if you want to help support the show, check out that coupon code. Uh, give Vessies a look, no matter where you are online. You can give that a try. All right, so I think that's just what wraps up for today. I hope you found that uh, useful. I hope you found that interesting. Uh, we'll try to shoot one of these episodes out every two weeks for the season. And uh, until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your gardening. And thanks for listening. Bye.